wrap up before Welcome we to get Newsworthy to with the Norris illustrious get commentary ready for some awesome. on life with Jonathan Storman. We're going to hear a word for a couple minutes from our sponsors at Lipscomb University Marriage and Family Therapy Program. Here we go. All right, friends, we've got our friend from Lipscomb University, Dr. Christopher Gonzalez. Welcome. Hey, Luke. Hey, thank Th- you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, Dr. Sure. Gonzalez. Yes, yes. Luke, call me Chris. Oh, that is so nice of you, yeah. Dr. Chris. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're a good man. You're a good man. Thank you. Now, I know that you've listened to the can podcast. I, before we get started, though, can I say it? What would you like to say? Let's get ready for some awesome... Yep, that's it. You guys yes. know what that means. He's listened to the podcast. And so as someone who is a trained... Now, would you say you're therapist-counselor? What is the term that you go by? I'm a therapist. I'm a marriage and family therapist. Okay, what's the difference of a therapist versus a counselor? Uh, there's Okay, good question. There's um, some similarities and some differences. Um, where therapists and counselors are the same, we treat all the same things, the same kind of people, individuals, couples, families. Where we differ, I think, comes from their theoretical perspective we come come at problems okay. uh, from. Uh, so we're, marriage and family therapist is going to look at a relationship mm-hmm. uh, and the context of whatever the problem is. Well, as a professional, you've listened to Jonathan Stormont for hours, what would you yes. diagnose as maybe the root issue or the root cause of kind of the dysfunction oh, that he presents? I don't know. Just between you and me. Yeah, just it's just us the, here. The envy and jealousy that he has of you. Just talk about a relational issue. Hmm. Um, he wants to be you. I know oh. this is. To, yeah, I know. You know. Oh. I mean, is should like I just give him more hugs or something? What is it that I could do to to fix some of that? Uh, yeah, a lot of hugs, uh, okay. a lot of affirmation, La- laugh w- when he does humor attempts, like mm-hmm. he does a lot, laugh at those. Laugh at him. Those okay. Are, yes. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll work on that. Now, I think, uh, one of the things that Lipscomb's offering is a chance to be a world changer, someone who makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that right there is a great tangible example of how you, you made a difference in right. Jonathan's life right there. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, one of the things that I, we've been talking about is that Lipscomb University is accredited to, what yes. is the significance of a program being accredited? Uh, it's very significant. Uh, the accreditation we have is uh, by the uh, Commission on Marriage and Family Therapy uh, Education. Uh, and what they do is they set the bar really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accreditation we have is the gold standard. So, for example, um, our students will come out having had 500 hours worth of therapy sessions Mm -hmm. out of the gate. Um, Other bodies of accreditation only require 300 hours. We're not solving for what's the least we can do. We're solving for what is excellence. What's excellence. When you hear the stories of students who come in and decide that this is the track that they want to be on, what do you think is making people go this direction? What makes them do this vocationally? Everybody wants to make a difference. Uh, Everybody wants to make a meaningful difference. Um, but, but sometimes they're coming right out of the gate from undergrad and they're like, how am I going to make a difference? We'll take students with any undergraduate degree. Others, uh, we've had several, um, engineers, people in finance, people in the music industry, and they just, they're making a career shift 
and they're like, I, 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 I like what I've been doing, but I want to do something that really, really is meaningful and personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get ministers, and those are some of my favorite because they're they're expanding the scope of what they're already doing. Yeah. And I know a lot of ministers um, are overwhelmed with the amount of counseling they do and wish they had better tools. And mm-hmm. it's really fun to have ministers and help them with those tools. I think that's a, a great observation that I feel completely ill-equipped to do substantial counseling because I didn't have any real training besides you know a couple classes here or there in grad school. And it's great to see. Uh, I have people that I work with who have gone through programs like this or are currently going through them, and I think they bring a lot to the table. Now, I know right now Lipscomb is taking applicants for the fall of 2019, and you guys do the cohort model. So can you explain what that means? Yes. Uh, We have a 24-month program. All the students take all the classes together. And what ends up happening, we're on cohort seven right now, and it's happened every time. These students get so close to each other and so connected that, um, and they follow the mantra that I, I put out on day one, which is cooperate to graduate. Hmm. Um, they're not competing against each other. They're helping each other succeed and to be the best therapist they can be. They graduate best friends. They graduate um, starting practices together and uh, being in pursuing their licenses together. And there's a whole lot of uh, together in the program, they don't have to solve for it. Well, who's going to be in my class next semester and mm-hmm. all that. It, they, they know that going in and they build two years worth of relationship with each other. That's outstanding. So the pitch could be, if you want tools to change the world, go to Lipscomb's MFT program. And also if you want your new best friends, go to Lipscomb. Right. You're offering right. that. Like there's so many great things you can get. So uh, go online. We'll have the link to uh, your website in the show notes that they've actually been there all, all month. And uh, they can find out more there. And Nashville, it's a cool city. So oh. a lot of great reasons I, to be you there. You know what happens? We get a lot of people from outside Nashville come. They don't and leave. And they stay. Yeah, you they don't stay. leave. Well, Chris, thanks for the time, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Luke. Friends, now it's time for... Yep. Get ready for some awesome. There he is. Our old friend Jonathan P. Stormont. It's not, why is it always the wrong middle initial? It's David D. No. What would P be for anyway? Pleasant Valley, your new church. That's right. Pleasant Valley. It's always. I, my, I am that committed. My middle na- I change my middle no, name. My middle name's Austin because I always knew I was going to end up in Austin. I, I thought you cared that much about your church that you would have God predestined you to do that. That's I, I, maybe that's not fair to like say that that's what anyway whatever. Welcome back to the show. Hey, I'm talking to an author for the first time. Yes, a published author. I'm holding this oh, book in my hand. Oh, look at that. So? Oh no, I, I'm holding it because I have extreme objections. What? To it. What? No. <laughs> no. So. Leslie, I'm reading this, and Leslie goes, why are you laughing so hard? And I'm like, that punk calls me his assistant. Yeah, but that's... No. that's <laughs> not, your assistant. I never signed you up. Assist, you assist me on the podcast. That's why... I, I mean, you. we do this podcast together. You assist me with the podcast. Okay, so there's a little context for the word assistant. There is a small like way in which I will accept being assisting you 
with the podcast as a friend. Yeah, that's what I meant. What, what? On an equal playing field. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most diminutive term you could think <laughs> to refer to me. <laughs> you put it in a book. <laughs> I I just thought touche, Luke. <laughs> you, okay, I, I honestly laughed out loud. Um, thought it was. <laughs> I mean, that's just some next level stuff. Do, do you there, know man. how long I had to sit on that joke? Oh, I've been sitting on that for at least eighteen months. At least eighteen oh, months. That <laughs> oh, was it. Was good. It was good. Yeah. yeah. Over and, and and overall, man, the book is really good too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, start to finish, I thought it was I thought it was good, and I um I wouldn't. I guess I would say nice things about it just because you're a friend, but it, it's a good book. It's a good book, especially for people who are working through a faith that no longer works for them. Um, uh, I actually liked the ant baby metaphor. Um, just anyway. It's it's a good book. Uh, thank you. Congratulations on good thank work. Thank you. Thank you. It is. It's weird hearing people talk about it now, and uh, I mean, it means a lot for you to say that. I, I I really respect your opinion on that, and so thank you for the kind words, which uh, I would have edited you into saying those regardless. So uh, thanks for not making me have to do that. <laughs> it would have just been choppy. <laughs> that book is awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it would have been. But no, I I appreciate yeah. it, and. Uh, I do appreciate you always being ready for some awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks man. And, and well played on the next level prank stuff. Well, when, when you write the book that you and I both know that you need to write that I won't talk about it on air. Uh, I look forward to you having your retort in that book. Yeah. You know, uh, when I wrote how to start a riot, I wrote Brian Shackman's name in there and I intentionally misspelled his name like five different ways. Just as a That's a pretty great joke. So Yeah, it's it's not as great as my assistant, <laughs> Jonathan, but it was it was the same Yeah kind of it's, thinking. It's thoughtful. And um yeah, it's it's out of love. It's definitely definitely out of love. Well um So are we gonna talk about are we gonna do like the inception version of the podcast where we talk about you talking about your book with Jason Miller? Uh true. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, that is like that's some next level stuff. Too. Yeah, I don't know how to do that one. Um. <laughs> you want to? You want to? Okay, how about this? How about? Uh, so that's an example of you talking about your book, which is now something you're going to have mm-hmm. to do. I've heard you say many times, and I, and I've had. I mean, the, so many of the conversations that you uh, you do in your book, I've, we've had. Yeah. For the last, I don't know, ever since I've known you, um, is it weird to have? It's kind of like a baby, right? It's your, it's your baby, and now the whole world gets to see kind of what was the internal work. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the same. Talking about you and Jason talking about your book is the same conversation you're going to have for the next several years. Yeah. My, my fear is, and I mentioned this in the end of the book that. Um, the more you talk about things that are of the mystical nature, of the spiritual nature, you're, you're, you're dragging them down into the verbal 
reality. And spiritual experiences can't always reside in the verbal, in the linguistic world. Sometimes they transcend what we can do. And I, I guess my fear of talking about this so much is that it loses its mystery. And I, I, I'm excited. I've, I've loved all the interviews I've done. I, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. that process. I'm enjoying that people you know, care enough to write reviews or people want to have you on the radio show or podcast. I, I'm so humbled by that. I really appreciate it because it means that like they care about, you know, the things that have made enough difference in my life that I'm going to write about them. But I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm wanting to keep some, stuff I do yourself, like, I, right? I want to leave some stuff on the table yeah. that, that uh, doesn't become yeah. public consumption. That's that science Mike. Thing, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Like that mystical moment that he shared no longer has the same meaning for yeah. him. Because he, I read Andy Crouch one time say, uh, and it, it was a game changer for me, and it's related, uh, where he was just writing about how for years one of his disciplines was in the house, he was going to do the dishes. Um, it was a job nobody else wanted to do. He didn't want to do it, but he was going to do it as an act of service to God. And then he said, and now that I've told you, I need to find a new discipline. Yeah. Because... Um, it's not a service to God if everybody knows yeah. about it. I, and I really appreciate that. I think that's a uncommon way of thinking. And so you're right. You just have to. I think that's one way we guard our heart yeah. as preachers or people who have any kind of public life. Agreed. And, and I think you know, that even like that transcends just to all people, not just pastors. In the sense that, like with social media, like everyone is presenting something to the world and sharing something to the world. And if you put everything out on social media, that's part of your family, your relationship with your kids. In some ways, it loses part of its like unique thing that's just between you and them. And yeah, I feel like we need to keep some of that stuff. Like I think there's a place to be confessional. I think there's a place to be forthright and, and to be honest. But I, I, um, I don't know. I, I so I'm talking. Um, I've done this sermon a couple times about where I tell the story of when Audrey went to the hospital. And mm-hmm. like, I, I think there's a time to share that stuff and I'm, I feel okay about it, but there is part of me. Are you a verbal processor? No, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think you, I am. So you are, so you talk things out, but for me, like I, as someone who's an extremely healthy seven, which means I go to five a lot, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I, I figure stuff out when I'm writing I, when I'm alone, I'm processing it, and then eventually, like I share it once I feel like I've got it workshopped enough in my head and in my kind of in my well. I stay there, and then I come out of my well or my cave, and then share it with the world. But does, is it different when you're processing it out loud because you're making sense of things? I know as we're talking times, so it helps you kind of like put language to the experience. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it does. It's like the you know the. Garden of Eden story, naming. Yeah. Uh, by doing that, you, you... I just read a thing about Helen Keller, like a biography about her, and she describes the moment <clears throat> um, when she discovered that W-A-T-E-R meant water. As a, she, she just said, it was as if my life had no meaning, and all of a sudden, there, all of a sudden there was a map. There was a map, a terrain... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like there's there's something to having names, and, and I just do that yeah. verbally. No, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not saying one's better than the other. I, I think somehow we're just people are wired different. There are a lot of people who verbally process stuff, and yeah, 
I, well, I do think one's better than hmm. the other. Uh, but I'm just talking about the actual person. Yeah, fair enough. Were. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, so all right, let's talk about the podcast yeah. again. Um, okay, so we have uh, with the one from uh, the book signing with Annie. We have the E3 company. Yeah, sounds like a fun event. Yes, and then we've got uh, Carrie Newhoff. New- Am I saying the name right? I love I love watching Oof. you uh, tiptoe around on eggshells when it's like, what was the guy who wrote, um, what was uh, Tanishi? Coates. What's his name? Tanahasi Coates. I got it now. <laughs> Tanahasi. Tanahasi. Yeah. You've been practicing. Between so, me and-, and Carrie Newhoff, is that how you sure. say it? You- yeah, you had, you, you called him Carrie at the beginning. We're, uh, we're going to have a podcast today with Carrie. Carrie Newhoff. <clears throat> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. Leave me alone. Tanahasi Coates. All right, why don't we start with your? Got oh, it right. Look at you, Tanahasi Coates. I feel real proud of myself for that um, one. Uh, so you want to start with the the one with Annie? Yeah. Uh, Sound like a fun. Yeah, event. yeah. She's uh, a friend that I'm very grateful to have uh, close to our family and close to me. And uh, yeah, so we had the whole weekend of Annie. So she did the thing Friday night with us uh, for the the book signing book release. And then the Saturday we recorded a podcast on hers. And then, uh, Sunday she came up and helped. was interviewed during the sermon. And so there was, it, it was like any weekend for us. Sounds like yeah. fun. That- oh, I saw <laughs> what you did there. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's her book about? I haven't so she, here's the it. similarity of our book uh, of our books is that she's processing like, is God kind? And kindness to her is defined um, in like God living up to like God's promises to her, what she felt like, uh, you know, her word for the year was. And like, long story short, it's like her, her thing didn't go the way that she wanted it to. And it's professional, it's personal life. Those, those are the two themes that she, she writes about. And she's a really good writer and she's, she lets people into her struggles, and in the same way that, like my book is, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of God being good in times when God doesn't always live up to my like intellectual theological like uh, description of what those terms would be. And so, I, I think the common thread is like both of us, in the same way that many of us are, like how do we make sense of things when when life doesn't go the way we want them to? I, that does sound like a, a common thread there. I okay, a couple of things. Let's start with the banal first um did you know that you were going to be paying for gelato um yeah, uh in the sense of like in the grand scheme like yeah we're all paying for each other and like we're we're all carrying each other's load like in that very mystical so, sense yes i knew that <laughs> so no uh, <laughs> so you're on a stage in the, in, like in, in the co- how many people in, are there in the cosmic credit card sense yes like we're all <laughs> paying for it <laughs> I am so happy about that. Yeah. You seemed a little off balance with our promise. Well, I was looking. I was like, and we're going to pay for the gelato. Wait. I was like, well, Annie, I, I know you had six thousand books sold in presale. I, I didn't. <laughs> I had like six. So um, let's pump the brakes on that, Miss Moneybags. Uh, yeah, temper that one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, that actually does sound like fun. It, um, okay, the thing I took away from that podcast from Annie, because, you know, obviously I'm not going to take anything away That's from mean. you. I've already given all my compliments mm-hmm. today. 
But her her stuff on uh, senior pastors who are still going, yep. um, you know, Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, and and it's a, a sign of the times that she had to say, and God forbid we don't have to come back in a month and say, oh, I'm sorry that we said one of those names. Yeah. Well, um, but she said they know something in the they do something in the secret yeah. that's making them able to go through the yeah. Long you know what's haul. crazy about that is in one of. Uh, a leadership book that I, I had on, which narrows it down to two. Um, one of them highlighted certain leaders in the book, which have since had substantial moral failure and ha- have had to step yeah. away from ministry for that reason. And so I think she's just speaking to the fact that like that has sadly all yep. the time, all the time. Um, and anyway, just the stuff that they do in the secret makes them equipped to be able to minister in public for the long haul. And she wants to know what that is. Yeah. You know, I've heard Andy Stanley has written and talked very publicly about his uh, going to therapy on a constant basis, working through his parents' divorce, working through his own anger. Uh, Craig Rochelle talked about journaling. Um, You know, I do think one of the one of the things younger preachers aren't being taught ministers, really, just anybody, not, not people who have any kind of public responsibilities aren't. Nobody's really focusing on their private lives yeah. and like what what you're doing that's not in the spotlight. Yeah, uh, Carrie Newhoff talks about uh, the gap between what you say and what you do, and he has this stuff about character. Mm-hmm. He says that competency will get you in the room, but character will keep you in the room. And like, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's right. a neat proverb. I don't think that's always true. There's a lot of uh, people with bad character that stay in the room for a, a long time. Uh, but as a general proverb, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you have uh, style, whether that's like professional style or whatever, um, there's a line in Stephen King, a Stephen King book where he says, uh, in a country like ours where style is always a substitute for substance, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that is a fitting description that like, if you have the right style, if, if you have the aesthetic, if you have, if you have money or, or you have a lot of confidence or you have success, people will let you do what you want. But um, I, I think there's a – here's the thing. In Churches of Christ, our leadership structure does not enable the sort of abuses of power which perpetuate long-term dysfunction. And you can mm-hmm. – because you don't have the power just to say, well, you know what? I don't care what you say. I'm going to stay here. And unless you're a, unless you are a uh, um, a high influencer elder and in like a, a smaller church of Christ, you know what I mean? Like you can you can run that. I mean, there there is in organizationally you're supposed to be and, and preachers can do this, too. You know, like I can think of a few examples of preachers who um where I just had been there for a long time. And yeah. I mean, there's no... It's like Winston Churchill, what, what he said about democracy. Democracy is the worst form of government, but it's better than yeah. all the other kinds. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think one of the benefits of our, like the Church of Christ polity is that you don't... We don't like kings, and so we don't let the grass grow too high, mm. which means you can't... In rare occasions, whereas I think there's substantially more stories of abuses by pastors outside the Church of Christ. Now, the the weakness of that yeah, is probably. there's also a reason most of our Churches of Christ kind of get stuck with certain 
phases and sizes is because they just don't have the, the leadership structure to make the sort of the decisions that require that are required to move forward on things, uh, such as life. But I, I never yeah. thought about the elder. I think the Church of Christ elder has doesn't have the mechanism in place for him to get kicked out if he's being unhealthy, or at least you know I've seen that most a lot of yeah. church. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I have too. Um, yeah. So in terms of. Like you and I, maybe we could have our listeners kind of vote in on which one is more likely to, uh, to moral failure. <laughs> to yeah, abuse, abuse power. power. Oh, yeah. moral failure. Gosh. I think dark. abuse of power is a moral failure, right? Isn't that what? Anyway. Okay, man. That's true. What was that thing John Orberg said after Mark Driscoll, uh, you know, had his, a, a, whatever you call that, uh, they, the elders stood up and said there was no moral failure, and he wrote an article for Christianity huh. Today where he said, when is pride, when does that stop being a moral yeah. failure? Well, we typically think of moral failure as either sex or money. Isn't that the two things? Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's a buzzword for sex. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, or or something. But, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's not do that. I think we both should pass on having a moral failure. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> um, Deal. You were talking about E3 conference? Yeah. I've never been. Is that because you don't like Sally or you don't care about the LGBTQ community? I love Sally. Oh, okay. I guess that's your answer. <laughs> you, I, was Sally in Abilene when you were at part of the Yes, for the first few years. So that's it. That's my answer. It's bitterness at Pat Bills and Highland Oaks for stealing Sally away. It's a super passive-aggressive move that I'm or doing. Or we call Jonathan. I'm just kidding. The, Pat the, and Highland Oaks. Uh, so we, we had this conference. Uh, two years ago, I was there. We did a live podcast, uh, Richard Beck and I, with Caleb Coltenbach. Did I say his last name right? Coltenbach? Telling it, man. You're yeah, just on that's, today. That's me. Um, and this year, well, two years later, Justin Lee was on, who some people know from Torn, and uh, his new book is Talking Against the Divide. And I know they also had, um, I met uh, Trey Pearson, Pearson, who is a, uh, singer-songwriter who was in a Christian uh, Christian contemporary band and then came out maybe a year, year and a half ago. He was on The View. Oh, yes, and, yes. What was that I have no band? idea. I literally have no idea. And I didn't, um, I didn't I want to remember. be like, yeah, so uh, what was your band? Um, but uh, so yeah, right. this guy got to talk to him a little bit. I think I referenced him in the podcast. And uh, anyway, so, so Sally has brought in different people uh, <clears throat> You could look at Caleb's position on the issue of how the church treats LGBTQ community, and it's defined as a conservative read. Justin um, would have uh, an affirmative opposite side than Caleb. And so I think she's done a good job of bringing in uh, different sides, different perspectives on how to handle this. Uh, One of the Mm -hmm. things I've kind of heard through the grapevine is people came for the first time and they heard people on what I'll call just like the liberal perspective on LGBTQ. And they heard them articulating, this is what we think about, this is our attitude on it. And it becomes, well, that's what Sally's thinking. You know, that's what she's saying. She's, she's trying to convert everyone right. to this. Now, if you had the larger perspective on what she's done and the people she's brought in, you go, well, no, she's just bringing people from multiple sides of the same issue on to talk about it. But that becomes the, perplex- the, the perplexing things for us. <clears throat> because when we make space for other people, we don't often have a forum in which we can hear multiple perspectives on the issue without feeling like we're endorsing multiple perspectives or maybe the opposite perspective on the issue. Yeah, I'm glad Jesus didn't think like that at the 
calling his disciples. Yeah. You know, one I, one time, I don't know if I should tell this story, so I'll just strip all the details out. But uh, One time I was invited to preach at a church in another state when I was at Highland. And I drove to that state, had my family, and the a day and a half before, uh, I got called and told I was mm-hmm. uninvited. And I was like, what? Why? And, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm already here. And it was because somebody had gone through the Highland website and found, this is after Sally had moved, um, but had seen that we had a connection with Centerpiece. Um, and they, you know, didn't want me to preach because I had a connection with Centerpiece. And my, so two, two things happened. One, I just said, okay, that's, I understand. But you need to know Sally Geary has spoken at Freed Hardeman, Harding, you know, Lipscomb. She's, she's Pepperdine. been, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's been everywhere. It's not, it's not a conservative progressive thing. It's, it, and then what what was interesting is that church three weeks later is trying to get a hold of me because somebody in their church that's like an elder's kid comes out as transgender. And I'm the only person that they know and the very reason they uninvited me is now the very reason they're wow. reaching out to me. And I was like, What well, you know, I would I would refer you to Sally Gary. She's gonna yeah. be very helpful. And so all that to say like the people who, um, you know, E3 is, a, is a, a resource to be able to listen to. Because if, if your uh, son or daughter is LGBTQ or um, someone in your family is, then you at least need to know other ways that people yeah. are thinking. You know, that um, it's not... Yeah. If you don't, uh, if you don't have anyway. any relationships the idea of loving your neighbor has has remained simply an idea and it hasn't become your practice you can't love your neighbor unless you know their name you can't love your neighbor unless you at least know what their life is like you can't love someone unless you at least start with knowing them regardless of the perspective you're going to have on it it starts by that and i think that's what sally has done and the conversation with justin lee was trying to articulate like how do you literally book title here talk across the divide in it like yeah you know what I thought he, he that the fascinating thing to me was that test study that he gave about how if they gave Republicans um, like crazy super high and uh, like welfare entitlement stuff, but they said Republicans agree with this and Democrats hate it, then Republicans would like it. And if they gave Democrats very restrictive, you know, government programs, but said Republicans hate this and Democrats love it, yep. then they loved it. I mean, it, there there is a. I mean, it's lazy thinking, but we, it's everywhere. We are so divided, and Facebook is Twitter but, is not helping at all. We are so partisan that we just yeah. want to be a part of our group, and no matter what it costs us, we'll just party line. Like that's what we do. We all do that naturally. We want to just. This is what the yeah. group says. Well, I don't want to do the work of rigorously thinking through each of these issues. Let me just vacillate to the easiest option, which is I'm just going to go with the party. And that's so dysfunctional yeah. for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, I, I'd never uh, met Justin, but I had uh, I had some friends in Abilene who, who knew him, one interned with them for a couple of summers, and uh, 
Is he in Chicago? Uh, he's in Orlando. Right? He was in uh, the Carolinas, North Carolina, maybe. And then he, he oh. went to Orlando not too long ago. But he's, uh, I, I get the sense he's traveling all the time, and that's kind of his life is always going from here to there. But, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for, for Justin. I'm grateful for helping, trying to get create and foster conversations. And it's can't be easy doing that, but it's yeah. something that we, uh, we all need to do. Yeah. Well, um, I'm yep. glad you did it, man. And hopefully uh, you can move forward with your relationship with Sally. Maybe you can come sometime and be supportive. <laughs> it's not I, I was playing like I was mad at Highland Oaks. Oh, not, it's Pat. Not Sally. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carrie. New- Carrie now, you're Newhoff. You're a Carrie fan. I have read his for stuff years. for years. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, let's take this a couple of different levels. One, y'all spent like an inordinate amount of time talking about theological education. Yeah, I don't know how we got on that subject, but we just did. And like when you have you know two authors who are just talking that kind of stuff, just <laughs> unbearable. You are going to be unbearable. <laughs> no, he, yeah, no. He, we just I, I didn't mean to talk about that, but he got on the riff and. So here, I found it really he, helpful, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, I would. I, like I, my whole thing, which I already said before, is the university has a place. the The academy has a place. The church has a place in training preachers. Both of those two organizations need to get along oh, yeah. and realize they need to talk that, across the divide. That, look at that! Look at that! I, I think there's hubris on both sides that we've got it all figured out, mm-hmm. and they don't. Like each of them have a place, and. Whatever. There it is. I've said it. Here's the, the interesting thing. Okay, so I want to talk about this. Um, the interesting thing to me is that uh, both think the others should change without them looking at how each one could uh, help each other do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, both, both are in decline in lots of ways. You know, institutional church and... The institutions of theological, yeah, education are in decline, and um, I think there's some new, exciting, you know, like I would love for our churches, I'd love for Pleasant Valley to be uh, a seminary, for us to have, you know, 20 kind of apprentices that, you know. That, you, that, that you're training and, part of them. Right. I, I'm not doing it. I'm I'm just showing them like the actual practical leadership stuff, like what Carrie talked about about how you know they you, you don't learn how to do you know the, the practical ministry stuff that yeah. really is gonna. Uh, and the reason I'm a big fan of this is because I was working at the, while I was taking classes for my grad degree, um, and it gave me like hooks to hang stuff on and made me ask better questions or filter yeah. stuff through. Now, why does this matter? Yeah, I completely agree. And anyway, yeah, they, they need to talk. We need to get along better. That's why I know you, you have interns. That's why you have preachers, baby preachers that you were mentoring when you were at Highland. And that's why I suffered through having an intern this last summer. Out of love. Out of love. <laughs> you you <Yeah>. suffered. <laughs> I don't think you intern. even know his name. Yeah. Intern. <laughs> that's yeah. what he your Insta stories with him were just unbelievable. And by the way, I am I am 
not stopping that practice. I've been to Harding uh, once. I'm going to go in again in a week to try to get a preaching mm-hmm. intern for the year. I mean, that's just one of my great joys mm-hmm. in life is to Well, good to for do you. That. I enjoy not having little mangy teenagers running around my office wearing fanny packs and shorts. <laughs> oh, that's a joy of my life. Uh, gosh. Oh, I have a feeling it's going to be hard for you to get another intern. Such is life. That's God's providence. Um, speaking of cynicism, I loved Carrie's. I'm, I'm joking. I liked my intern. He was he was a nice intern. The uh, cynicism. Oh, we still don't know his name. He's Amy's son. I know. Oh, his mom's name. Amy's son. The. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so Carrie's statement, cynicism is a choice, and the anti-venom for cynicism is curiosity. Is that true, or is that false? Is that true? Well, I don't know. You're asking me? I, like, I, you're the only one else in the room. Uh, well, I mean, we just spent a couple of days with a bunch of other preachers, including Randy Harris, and I heard Randy's take on it, and now it's hard to disagree. Wasn't his take that... Uh, it's true in a way that's not meaningful, or if it if you mean what it sounds like, it's not true at all. Yeah, I think they're communicating on different levels. I think I think Carrie. <laughs> you can, think? Does anybody communicate? No, on the there's same no way. Like none of us do. He's this. Yeah, he's way smart. Wicked smart. Wicked smart. We were in a room yesterday where he goes. <laughs> he just talks as if we all know what he's good, what he means when he says. <laughs> You know, Camus versus Sartre. I think I'm going yeah. the Camus route. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I really yeah. liked when they were down at SeaWorld, both Camus and Sartre. They were, they were a good team when they did their thing <laughs> until they started eating trainers. Um, <laughs> they got real dark. It does rhyme with Shamu. I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> you're so proud of that. They are thinking on different levels yeah. to bring us and back so, to and, the podcast. And so they what our friend Newhoff from Canada was trying to make is something that's an accessible tool for like entry-level kind of conversations. And I, like, I think curiosity stops when you become cynical. Like you stop trying to learn, you stop asking questions. Mm. Like like Carrie said, like you feel like you know how this story is going to turn out. And so you don't need to be engaged or involved in the process. And I think cynicism, like when it calcifies, it becomes like this this barrier that prevents you from growing and being aware to God being around you. I mean, obviously, I, like I, I, that's part of what I was writing about in the book is like cynicism kind of took over. And for how long? How long do you feel like? I, I, that's a great. Is that grad school days? Or it's hard it? to put like hard, hard lines on that. I would say it started in grad school, and it probably not because you're professors or anything, just because disenchantment from learning stuff that you didn't yeah, know like, before. And well, I the think it's common stuff, for seminarians yeah. to become cynical, and I, I have right, no interest right. in like attributing that to a professor or an institution. Like I'm not. I mean, yeah. No, I, I, I'm. Because they're yeah, trying to like help I, you rebuild, I, just the same. Yeah, they want you to get cynical there versus getting cynical ten years into pastoring. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right? Maybe work that and, out. But yeah. it, so it started there, and I think it worked until until like this idea of 
like God is everywhere. Be aware of the presence of God around you. The this sort of like mysticism or this sort of like spirituality that like emerged in the midst of it. And I think I'll always have the questions. I'll always have the unanswered um, issues that that rattle around my head. But I don't like they don't. They're not debilitating anymore. And I think that's the curiosity part. Like I feel like God mm-hmm. is still around, and like I have this this vibrant inner interaction with who God is, and so that that can sustain me while I carry the weight of, of mystery and unknowing and doubt or cynicism, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I read a book uh, a few years ago that it was one of the best books I, I've read in the last 10 years for where I was at in life. And also Randy hated it. Randy actually, because I read this book suggested that I get people to vet Are you the s- books what book that I read. It? It's called Seeing Through Cynicism by Dick Keyes. I've heard you talk about this. And in it, I, he overstates his case. That's why Randy was saying. Because Randy I thinks, you know, skepticism is different than cynicism and, and appropriate yes. levels of skepticism That's very good. are important. But here's what here's what um, Dick Keyes says that I really resonated with. And I think it goes along with the Kerry Newhoff quote. He says Cynicism makes the move from some to all, from sometimes to always. Cynicism tries to see um, through everything, but it actually winds up seeing nothing. Because if you see through everything, you can actually, you can't, and cynicism hides itself. You know, it it has a core value of often truth or justice, but it's uh, sneaky because as soon as you start to question it, Hmm. it hides yeah, I'm not. I'm not cynical. I'm just kidding around. Yep, that's like no. Yeah, the, you're not kidding. Yeah. You're you're being cynical, and it's actually a toxic yep. kind of poison to yourself. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it does hide. Like the, I'm just joking around stuff. Yeah, that's that's pretty much on the nose. You remember Conan O'Brien? I, uh, I, I remember don't know that. Who he is I don't. Wh- wh- Do you remember? Okay, like so. The Tonight yeah. Show was yeah, his yeah. dream. He gets it. He gets, it gets taken away from him or, you know, yeah. like they try to keep calling it the Tonight Show, but they move yeah. it back to the same move spot. Move back 30 minutes, but yeah. And so he leaves, and then he says, his last show, he looks into the camera and he says, every moment of this has been a gift. Do not get cynical because of this. I'm not going to be cynical because of this. Um, I get to do something that I love. I'm still going to get... And I just... That was a... Um, one of the more profound moments on a late night talk show for me. Cause I mean, how many of us wouldn't have just gotten yeah. cynical about that? I, I think he also had like 30 or $40 million that helped him prevent from cynicism. <laughs> but I remember watching those last two weeks of the tonight show with Conan O'Brien and whatever it's titled. And it was, it was really special to me. And I think like that line. Yeah. I remember that. Uh-huh. Don't choose cynicism. He's 100% right. I mean, that is, that's yeah. it. Like, everyone has a choice to be cynical. Like, there are things in this world, like Jesus says, in this yeah. world you will have troubles. And everyone has troubles that present themselves to be different. And, like, I know people can compare yourself to someone else. And go, oh, they have more troubles. They have less trouble. And here's the thing. If you're sitting outside and it's 30 degrees, you're cold. And there might be someone sitting outside and it's negative 10 degrees for them. And it's colder, but for you, you're still in your 30-degree cold and you're not feeling comfortable. Everyone has a reason to sit outside in a world that's harsh and you don't feel good. And don't minimize yeah. the fact that you're going through difficulties. Don't minimize the fact that God doesn't seem good or kind to you. Everyone has something. But the, the choice that we've been given is 
what are you going to do with it? Like everyone has an invitation to life in the midst of whatever adverse situation you're in. And you can choose to just let it go and to let your hard heart be calcified and become cynical. But there's no life in that. Like that's, it's an easy option, but it's not the best option. Yeah, it protects you from life, but it keeps you from life. You know, you don't have to, Mm -hmm. you you don't get disappointed Mm -hmm. because you're always expecting it. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I appreciated him saying you know I did it for I was doing it for forty year old pastors who had what, what's his thing the reason you were so happy earlier is because you were stupid yeah <laughs> yep and that's so true right yeah, I mean, you're stupid that's why you, you thought you're happy but that's life there's a disillusionment that life ex- gives to all of us and how, okay so here's a question for you as recovering cynics both of us how do you Stop! Interrupt that voice. That when because oh, Brene Brown has that thing where she says the most terrifying emotion is joy. Huh. I think that's related to this because as soon as you feel joy, you think it could wow. be taken away. I could lose. You know when you're when you're praying over your kids at night and it's just a sublime moment. You immediately on the back end of it think, and what if they got taken away? You know, like, how do you interrupt just, I'm, I'm just, let's talk pastorally for a second about that, because I think mm. that everybody experiences this. How do you interrupt that voice mm. um, and remind yourself that, but it, it, it's not now. Yeah. This is a gift. Yeah, I mean, this is the quote that I've, I've said so many times, but uh, J- Joan Chittister says, in this moment is the essence of everything glorious I've been given in life, and it's enough. I chant that to myself. I even just a short. Whoa! In this I moment, love that. Say it again. Everything glorious you've been given in life, and it is enough. And for me, the shorthand is: huh. I said, "This is a gift. This is a gift. This is a gift." Like in my healthier moments, that phrase just comes off my lips. It's a gift. This is a gift. You is the essence in this moment is in this moment glorious is the essence of everything glorious I've been given in life and it is enough mm-hmm. wow that's so good so good right now as you're doing this podcast with me <sighs> okay is it just the essence this of is the moment where I'm working to go, okay this this is like a uh, <laughs> lump because you're worried your joy is worried yeah about, what, if, what if I don't do it next month what if I stumble? what if I say what if I'm, I'm done what if I lose it all? DC Talk callback right there. <laughs> I know it is a deep cut. Oh, okay. Well, yep. Well, next month on the podcast, hopefully Jonathan will come back to the wrap-up. If not, uh, send in your suggestions on who you want me to replace him with. Um, we'll just we'll let that kind of come in. Next month. Hey, I got a tweet. Just, cool. just breaking news. Got a tweet last night. That said that your sponsor was coerced into saying something bad about me on the wrap up and no. something good about you. And I said, no, Fake news. not Fake my news. friend Luke. <laughs> so will that, will that play before our wrap It'll up be or after before. our wrap up? It'll wrap be up. like the beginning, the first five minutes. We've, they've already heard it. They've already heard it. And it wasn't coercion. Coercionation? Oh. Yeah, thank you. No, you're killing it. Was, it. it was for fun. Uh, speaking of killing it, uh, got a podcast next month. Uh, I'm real excited about about dying. 
So there's a book that I, I've been reading for huh. a while, and uh, the author finally got him on the, the old pod. So Parker Palmer, have you ever heard the name? Oh, yeah. are you kidding me? You yeah, got he's on pa- the old docket, uh, so he'll be... No, I haven't done have it yet. Have you already done um, the podcast? It's... Dude, he yeah, is I... amazing. So one of the publicists I work with a lot, Kelly Hughes, she sent me the book a while ago, and kind of for some reason I started thumbing through it, and I was like, oh my goodness, like this guy's onto something here that's pretty mm-hmm. substantial. Uh, so I got that one. I, I've got one that we'll do. The plan is to record it actually from Jerusalem. I'm going to be over there for 10 days or so and do something about what we've been learning over there. And so that should be first one recorded in the Middle East. So it's going to be holy. This is, is this your second time to ever uh, it is travel the first abroad time now? to ever travel abroad with someone not from Arkansas named Jonathan. Yes, it is my second trip. <laughs> Like this. No, I'm going with. Are you Jason going by Miller yourself? Of meditations with Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yes, I am. Okay, we'll come. Let's compare the trips. See who's a be- see who's a better. Okay, who's the better travel, travel partner? partner? All right, we'll see if uh, <laughs> if. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Deal. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate you. Okay. Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>